You are probably tired of cooking during quarantine, right? Good news, McAllister's in Carbondale is still open and still offering drive through curbside pickup and delivery during the coronavirus shutdown. They've got, of, of course, some of the best sweet tea in the Midwest and also a bunch to choose from with salads, sandwiches, spuds, and much, much more. McAllister's Deli in Carbondale still open during the coronavirus, so get out there and support your local businesses. All right, it's go time. Southern Illinois University sponsors nationally competitive athletic programs. On the inbound, look and throw it deep in the backcourt. Harrison has it, dribbles it out. Sweet 16, baby. Southern's there. Southern's there. That exemplify integrity. Toughness and excellence. The Sweet 16 is even sweeter when SIU's in there. All members of the department work to support Saluki athletes. In graduating and winning championships. And for the first time ever, Southern is a Missouri Valley Conference co-champion in women's basketball. Hey, Saluki fans. This is your men's basketball center, Barrett Benson. This is Nicole Martin of SIU Women's Basketball, and you're listening to the Saluki Standards Podcast. And here's your host, Connor Onion. Well, hello once again from quarantine. I think Tiger King is taking over everybody's lives without sports right now on Netflix. Uh, at least that's what I've heard. Haven't given into that one yet. But anyways, welcome back. Week 8 of the Saluki Standards Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Onion. Today's guest is Saluki baseball coach Lance Rhodes. And uh, a little bit on Coach Rhodes before we get started. Um, hired last summer at the ripe young age of 34 years old. Uh, Coach Rhodes played collegiately at St. Louis in Southeast Missouri State and then was later an assistant at SEMO and won three OVC titles there. That earned that staff the job at Missouri, and that's where Rhodes spent spent the uh, previous three seasons as an assistant before he was hired here at SIU. In his first season, of course, it was cut short due to the coronavirus. Only 18 games were played for the Salukis in the spring, but they were off to a really good start. 12-6, and six, they had won five straight games before the season was canceled and ended up leading the Missouri Valley Conference in batting average, on-base percentage, and run scored. So a lot of positives in about a third of a season in Lance Rhodes' first year. One caveat before we get started here, the NCAA voted on Monday, March 30th to grant spring athletes another year of eligibility. Uh, just so you know, for transparency for you listening, this conversation did take place before that vote happened. So some of the material that you'll hear will be somewhat dated, but there's not a whole lot of that. So just so you know, anyways, enjoy it. Here's Saluki baseball coach Lance Rhodes on the Saluki Standards podcast. How are your spirits right now with the cancellation? Some of the initial uh, feelings of it has, has kind of settled down. And obviously there was, you know, extreme disappointment when the news first broke. And, you know, it was just a lot of unknowns at that time was, you know, were we going to be able to pick up the season again at a later date? Uh, you know, were, were players going to get a year of eligibility back? There were so many unknowns. And, you know, it was kind of almost a little bit of a shock at first, too, where you just had like a numb feeling because you just couldn't believe uh, that it was happening. And, you know, now that you've had some time to, to step away and and process exactly what's going on, you, you truly understand that it, it is a bigger uh, situation than just, you know, the sporting world. So, you know, you have a different perspective of it. 
But obviously, you know, when you just, you know, talk about SIU baseball, um, you know, we were disappointed because of all the work that we put into it. Uh, the, the guys, I mean, they were incredible as far as just the openness of a new staff coming in, just being willing to, you know, be coached and listen. And, uh, you know, they put so much time and effort into making the season what it was in just the short amount of time that we got to spend together. And then for it to all of a sudden just, you know, we win a game on Wednesday night and Thursday morning, we, you know, it's over. And it was kind of just a thing where it was just a, a blow that you just didn't expect. So it just it just caught you off guard and, and took you back a couple uh, couple steps there on Thursday afternoon whenever we found that out. And and then um, you know it was a thing where you know you were you were just devastated for the seniors there for a little bit because you thought you know these guys you know they just got the the rug drug right out from underneath them and they didn't even. They didn't even know uh, that this was going to happen. And then, you know, I, I know we're still waiting for, for confirmation, but, you know, as things started to come out where there potentially might be, you know, an opportunity for the seniors to come back and, you know, all those things have kind of eased or, or eased the, the burden of everything. And, you know, we're just waiting at this point for the NCAA to for sure come out and say, yeah, the seniors are going to get a year back. But, you know, with the guys being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel that way, it's made it a lot easier. But it was just difficult just because of everything that's, you know, everything that we put into it and the year that we gotten off to, you know, we got off to a great start and the guys were getting rewarded for the hard work that they had put into it. You mentioned uh, the potential of extending the eligibility for some of those seniors. You've got nine such cases, nine seniors. How confident are you that, that, if the NCAA does bring up their end of this deal, that all nine of those guys would be back and they'd be able to figure out the school situation that, that goes along with this? Well, I've reached out, had personal conversations with every one of our seniors, and you know they've all, at this moment in time, said that they all want to come back. And I hope that is the case. And um, you know I, I feel like the leaders in our program this year were the senior group. So... You know, to be able to have those guys come back and lead this program again for another year on top of being able to add a recruiting class that we think is very talented, I truly think that we have a chance to to have a really, really good, you know, team for next season. And, um, you know, uh, it's still a lot of unknown right now because we're still many months away from, from that happening. And, you know, you just never know is – you know, is there going to be a situation where a kid, you know, doesn't need to go to school anymore and, and need to pursue a job and that and, and whatnot? And, you know, my, my thing is, is uh, I would love for every one of these seniors to come back. I'm going to try to convince them to come back, but I'm also open and willing to do whatever is best for each individual senior. Um, but my, my hope and, and, and goal is to get every one of these kids back. You know, it's, it was uh, somewhat of a small sample size, only playing 18 games, but, but you had some guys really swinging the bat well. I, I think of a, a guy like Ian Walters who, you know, if throughout the course of his senior year, if, if he continues to hit 400, you know, maybe a, a pro team comes calling. What, what changes in, in that realm as far as uh, the season getting canceled and, and some of those opportunities? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a thing where going into the season – we probably didn't have a ton of guys 
that were considered, I guess, elite-level prospects. But, again, like you said, you know, when you put up numbers, you know, that starts to, uh, you know, it starts to open the eyes, especially of the analytical departments in, in the draft room. And then all of a sudden scouts have to go and follow up on those guys. And, you know, you just never know the doors that it can open up whenever guys are, are putting together years like some of the guys that we had. So it definitely would have gotten them looks by pro scouts. Um, you know, you just never know what would have happened. But, you know, the good thing is, is hopefully those guys are going to get another year back. And, you know, this time now, you know, I can go out there and, and talk to pro scouts in, in the fall and, and kind of get their name out on the radar a little bit more. And, you know, hopefully they get that opportunity again after next year. What about with uh, recruiting Coach Rhodes? Uh, what have you communicated to, to those guys about what this could mean for their future? Well, you know, I, I we've looked at it many different ways with the coaching staff. And, you know, I actually think everything's going to work out really well for us as far as blending in the new recruits and with the, the players that we got coming back. And, you know, really, when you look at our situation, we still had some 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 needs that we needed to feel uh, recruiting wise anyway, and now instead of having to go out and you know the junior college side of it or high school side of it, we just get to fill it with a, a senior that's that's you know had proven success at the Division One level. So it makes us feel more comfortable because we know what we're getting with some of the guys that we're bringing back. And it's a little bit of an unknown when you bring in a new guy. You know, you just don't know how it's going to translate or adjust. And, you know, it just makes us, you know, feel a little bit better about having somebody that we've already had in the program coming back. Right, right. Well, this is uh, obviously an interesting dynamic for you, too. Being a, a first-year head coach, you've, you've gotten the taste of being a head coach and having 18 games and getting a month into your first season. What advantage do you see in this long term for you as far as your learning curve as a head coach? Well, you know, uh, I think we would all uh, wish we'd not had to go through it. <laughs> sure. But again, you know, any time you go through something, some adversity as a person, as a player, you know, as as long as you you have, you know, good people you can trust that you can lean on, you know, we have a great administration well, I had great assistant coaches, and we've just leaned on each other. And you know, it's a thing where it's just it's confusing, it's it's odd, it's 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 weird. There's a lot of different emotions that are tied to this thing because it's just something that that no one's ever gone through. And there's a lot of questions that whenever you 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 propose a question to somebody that they just don't have an answer to because nobody's ever gone through anything like this before. So. You know, the great thing is, is we've got a great, like I said, we've got a great just team of, of coaches in this athletic department. We've got a great a, a administration, and, and I'm very fortunate with the staff that I get to work with where, you know, we're just staying in constant communication with each other throughout this whole process as far as, you know, what we can do right now to build for the future, um, how we can build off the success that we've built off of uh, so far in the short amount of time that we've been together. and. And really, you know, our mindsets right now are, are geared to our, you know, our future and building for the 2021 season, you know, whenever we can, you know, get back together as a unit. Sure, sure. Um, Coach, let's get into your, your background a little bit. Um, start with uh, 
kind of your leadership style and what got you into the coaching realm. When did you know that you wanted to be a college baseball coach? Well, whenever I was playing college baseball my senior year, I, you know, I, I truly came to the grips that my playing days were going to be over. And I think everybody that plays college baseball has the, the dream of playing professionally. And, you know, whenever it came to the realization that that, that wasn't going to happen, you know, I, 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 baseball has been in my life my whole career, and there was only one way to stay in it, and that was to get into coaching. So that summer after I got done playing, I, I coached a, a high school baseball team, and uh, one summer of that I realized I, I needed to get into the college game. And, you know, I, I was just very fortunate whenever, whenever I graduated the volunteer assistant job at the school that I played at at Southeast Missouri opened up and uh, I contacted the head coach and told him I wanted to get into coaching and and he took a chance on me as a, a kid that just played and sometimes that's a, a little tricky where you know you just got done playing and you know are you too close to the age of a kid and, and things like that but he took a chance on me and he allowed me to be the volunteer assistant and you know I grew there I coached you know the outfielders I coached some different areas that I, I didn't play at necessarily and he gave me freedom to go out and coach as a as a really young kid and then uh, after that season I went and I coached junior college baseball at, at Wabash Valley College in Mount Carmel Illinois and you know never played junior college baseball and never knew a whole lot about junior college baseball until I stepped foot on campus there and just walked into an incredible situation where the roster was you know really really loaded and Rob Fournier has been there for years. Has built that into one of the you know powerhouse programs in the nation from a junior college side of it, and just got to walk in from day one. And, and Coach Fournier let me let me do my thing as an assistant coach. I recruited like crazy, and and you know got to coach pitchers. And I'm sure I made a ton of mistakes along the way, but he let me you know he let me learn and grow, and um, you know would just kind of mentored me as I went there. And and then after three years there had an opportunity to go back to Southeast Missouri as a, as the pitching coach there. And when, when I got there, Steve Beezer came along and was the head coach and probably is one of the biggest influences in my coaching career. And, you know, just watching him, how he handles players so professionally, how he um, handles the pressures of the game and, and stays so even killed throughout, you know, ups and downs and, and, and really how you manage a, a team outside of just the game environment. And, you know, I just I learned from him for seven or eight years, uh, I believe, eight, eight years, because uh, I, I went to, to Missouri with him and, you know, got an opportunity to coach in the SEC, which was, you know, unique in itself there with, as far as being able to recruit some of the best talent in the country and, and just learn and grow from some of the best coaches in the country. I was watching them from the other side of the dugout. and um, You know, so it, it, there's a lot of factors in, in, on where I've, you know, been as a, an assistant coach to where I'm at now and, and how I've grown. But, you know, some of the some of the biggest, you know, influences in my coaching career were the guys that I mentioned. But it's uh, it's just been a great ride. And, you know, I'm very thankful to be where I'm at right now because this was – this was probably the most fun that I've ever had as a coach. And obviously, you know, being a head coach changes things. But And a lot of it has to do with the people that I was surrounded with. I'm telling you, the, the people 
at SIU is what makes this place so special. And, you know, the administration was awesome. The uh, the assistant coaches that I work with are great. Every single day I show up to the office, I'm just as excited uh, as I can be to show up every single day. And we, we enjoy being around each other. And it's just made for an unbelievable year. And, you know, I, I just hate it right now that, that we're not spending those those days in the office together. You know, we, we spend time on the phone pretty much every single day. Uh, just because I think we just miss being around each other, but it's it's uh, it's truly been a great year. Yeah, uh, going back to the the early days, coach, when you said you were a, a volunteer assistant and you're you're the same age as a lot of the players, how did you separate? Uh, I mean, you were doing the the same things that that they were doing, the, the maybe the previous semester. Uh, how did you separate yourself as a coach compared to being one of the guys? You know, uh, the one thing that I did. We had, we did, we had several players on that team coming back, you know, that I, that I was with as a player the previous year, and I think it might have been a week or so into, into the year, uh, in the fall. I know I had a, just a, a player meeting uh, with myself, and I just discussed with those guys that you know my role was was going to be different, that you know that I was on the coaching side of things now, and. You know, it, it's it's a thing where, you know, I, I'm willing to do anything that I could as a young assistant coach to make sure that they they were prepared and and felt like you know they were ready to succeed when they went into a game. But you know, my role was was going to be limited to being a coach and and seeing them at the field and at the office. And you know, it's, it just wasn't a thing where um, you know my relationship was going to be a you know that of a, a friend or. Uh, off the field hanging out or anything like that there was a fine line there where we had to you know separate the two just because uh you know being on the coaching side of it you know I wanted to respect the staff and all the work that they put into it as well and and feel like that you know they could trust me that I was going to be on the on the coaching side of it and and be able to you know convey the uh the messages that the coaching staff wanted to send to the players at that time. So you had to, you had to lay it down. No more Saturday nights in Cape with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And that wasn't really me anyway, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely sure. had to, you know, it's, it's, it, it's just the separation of, of being a player and hanging out with them as friends. And, and now it was me as a coach. Right. Right. You, uh, you mentioned kind of your path to, to getting here to Carbondale and being the SIU head coach. What told you when you think back to you being an assistant, what told you that you were ready to be a, a division one head coach? Well, I think uh, when, whenever I left Southeast Missouri State to go to the University of Missouri, at that time, you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, do I want to potentially try and become a head coach or do I want to go be an assistant coach in the SEC? And, you know, I think going and being an assistant coach for another three years was, was the best thing that I could have done because I think as a just human nature, I think we're always thinking that we're ready probably before we really are ready. And, um, you know, I needed to continue to grow as an assistant coach. I needed to see college baseball at the highest level. And, you know, I I still don't know if if you're ready until you get thrown into it. And, you know, I'm very thankful that Coach Kill um, thought that I was ready to give me the opportunity. And, you know, there were still times whenever I got the job, you know, there were a lot of my friends that have, become head coaches or you know Steve Beezer that I leaned on a lot or 
Um, and just, you know, as I was going through the summer and the fall and I had questions, you know, I, I would text those guys or call those guys and just ask and, um, you know, and then, you know, when the, when the spring came around and I, and I had an opportunity to hire another assistant coach and I hired Tim Jamison, you know, he was a guy that throughout this entire spring that I, that I, you know, I used him as a, as a resource. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I was most excited about bringing him on board, not only just because he's, you know, an established pitching coach that's done great things with, you know, some of the elite pitchers in the game, but the fact that he's been a head coach for as long as he had been, you know, at the Big 12 and SEC level. And, you know, it was a thing where I could just ask him how he handled certain situations and, you know, in the dugout in the heat of the moment, you know, use him as a resource. So uh, I've just been very fortunate that I've had guys to be able to lean on throughout, you know, this growing process. Take me back to the moment that you got the call from Coach Kill. What was your reaction when he offered you the job? Well, um, you know, at first, uh, he he called me on the night before, um, and, and kind of ran me through another mini interview type, you know, over the phone, and it it, it had the the feel of it that night that I, I thought I had a chance, and then you know, at the end of the conversation, it was just you know him saying that he was going to call a couple guys back the next morning and and let them know the answer to uh, who's going to get the job, and I was like, oh well. You know, maybe I was reading it a little bit wrong. So obviously the nerves. I mean, it was a it was a night where there wasn't a whole lot of sleeping that night because you were just <laughs> wanting to know, you know, the answer to it. And then, uh, you know, I knew when he was going to call the next morning, and it just seemed like I, th- I think he was going to call at like eight or nine. I can't remember exactly what time it was, but whatever it was, it just seemed like the time was never getting there. And you know, whenever the phone rang, it was just you know just pure nerves for about the first. 30 seconds of the phone conversation and then whenever you know he asks you if, if you want the job it's just like and it was just a I don't even know it just uh, it was a moment where it was almost just a loss of words like you just didn't know what to say because it was just you know so happy for the opportunity and it, it was without hesitation you know we were just so excited and uh, just a moment that that you know my family and I just never forget what did your wife Brittany say when you got off the phone she well, she was looking at me the whole time, so she she could definitely read the body language, and you know it was just one of those things where she was just so excited because of the location of it and the fact that we were moving close to the family, and uh, it was something that you know throughout about a three week or four week process there was from the beginning of the the, the job posting to all the interviews and everything we had already discussed, you know. We, this is what we want to do. You know, we were just, we were all in. We were just hoping that on the other side of it that, that they wanted us to, to be here as well. And, you know, it's just one of those things when it when it comes to, you know, at the very end when it comes to, you know, being on, on your side, you were just so excited for it that, you know, I, I think for a little while once we hung up, we were just kind of looking at each other. It's like, is this, is this really happening? Like we were just, you know, shocked. And you know it was it was just awesome. Sure. Yeah. No. That's that's great. What about uh, what about your sons? You got you got three boys. How excited were they for you? Yeah. You know I don't know if they really knew um, at the moment exactly what was happening. They've uh, they've been huge fans of of all the teams that I've coached. And when I you know when I was at at Southeast Missouri, 
they uh, they wore the uniforms around and and played out on the field. And then when I went to Mizzou, they were huge Mizzou fans, and you know we're out on the field all the time as well. And uh, you know now that we're here at, at SIU, they're they're all in on SIU. They wear the, the jerseys to the games. They wear the pants, the cleats. They wear everything. They get out on the field. They run the bases. So they uh, they've had a couple different favorite teams, but. Their, their favorite team right now is SIU. <laughs> Glad we could steal a couple fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but with your hiring, there's there's been this influx of, of young coaching talent, especially with the, the big three head coaches in men's sports, with, with you in men's basketball and football, with Brian Mullins and Nick Hill. You guys are all in your, your mid-30s. Uh, how much have you been able to interact with, with those two guys and, and pick their brain a little bit on being a, a young head coach? You know, I, I've definitely been in contact with both of them on several different occasions. I haven't got to dive into, uh, you know, a lot of deep talks with them as far as their philosophies or anything like that. Uh, just because of the timing of it, whenever I got hired, uh, you know, football was right in the middle of their summer workouts and Brian was trying to put together her recruiting class to get ready for his season. And we were just all kind of, you know, super busy at the moment because we hit the ground running, uh, trying to fill a couple spots too in the summer. And, you know, it's just kind of been one of those things where, uh, you know, text messages, phone calls, you know, uh, stopping by offices and kind of seeing, you know, each other through things like that. But, you know, there's, there's definitely, uh, a part of me that is that is wanting to to sit down with those guys and and just pick their brains and uh, ex, you know see how you know they're they're achieving the success that they are right now and um, you know hopefully you know it's, it might be over these next uh, couple weeks or or months that you know when we have a little bit of downtime where we can you know do those type of things that normally we just can't do because. It's, everybody's so busy at different parts of the year when some people have downtime other sports are you know right in the thick of it so it's been tough from that side of it but uh, yeah it's it's definitely been a thing on my mind where I definitely do want to to reach out to them more to be able to just kind of pick their brain and you know there's so many things in sports that that you know go across the many different areas whether baseball basketball football it doesn't matter uh, it pertains to just you know culture and, and winning and, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of on the same boat right now as far as trying to elevate the, the success of all the programs in the, in the athletic department right now. An adjective to describe those two guys throughout their playing career here was, was tough. You know, a, a lot of people described those two as tough and, and knew that they were tough as players. And, and tough is a, a word that came up multiple times in, in some of your postgame interviews early on the job here. Uh, you know, I, I think in mainstream, people have a, a pretty good understanding of what a tough football player, a tough basketball player looks like or plays like. What does a tough baseball player look like to you? Well, when you, you talk about the game of baseball, uh, you know, it's it's being able to handle so much of the mental side of the game while also going out and physically being able to execute at the same time. And, you know, I'll give you an example of a player that we had on our team who probably exuded the toughness of it better or not maybe not better but just had it had it uh this this spring with a guy named jt weber and you know you look at jt weber for probably the first 
I don't know, 10 games of the year. I mean, the kid was hitting the baseball probably about as hard as anybody on our entire offensive lineup, and he just wasn't having anything to show for it. And, you know, for about about a game or a game and a half, he, he kind of had that mental lapse there where he, he maybe thought it was something mechanical or you could tell that he was starting to get in his own mind a little bit about, man, you know, these balls just aren't dropping for me. What the heck is going on? And, you know, we just had conversations with him and, and just said, hey, you know, this is a thing where, you know, uh, you, you might be one of the unluckiest baseball players that I've ever seen right now because you're absolutely crushing balls. and It's just going right to people. And there's nothing you can do other than put a good swing on the ball, barrel it up, and hit it as hard as you possibly can. And once you do that, uh, you can't control the outcome of it. And, you know, he just goes right back to doing what he was before and all of a sudden down the last, you know, five games or so, a lot of those balls were starting to find holes and he was, you know, jumping up the the leaderboard as far as being one of the more productive offensive players that we had over the last probably five or six games. But, you know, it's just kind of exuding what he did there as far as just being able to handle the ups and downs of the game, emotions of the game, um, and being able to handle that mentally where you can go out and physically still perform at the highest level you possibly can. What's an example from your playing career where you think you exuded toughness on the playing field? Well, you know, I think for me probably the, the, the toughest thing that I had to go through as a college baseball player is whenever I was in high school, uh, you know, I was I, I was a, a, a a middle infielder and a pitcher at the same time, and you know a lot of college, a lot of high school athletes are, are dual players, and they get into the college game, and all of a sudden, you know, they get one of those taken away from them, where you know they either uh, just go strictly to a pitcher or strictly to a position player. And on my end of it, you know, I went, I went, and uh, I was a pitcher in college, and you know that transition from playing every single day to you know, just being a pitcher and, you know, sometimes being in a bullpen role and not knowing exactly when you're going to play. And it was that was probably the toughest time that I had as my transition goes uh, from the high school to the college game was just not being out there playing every single day and finding new ways and, uh, you know, new avenues to show up to the ballpark every single day and be excited about opportunities. And, you know, there's some days as a pitcher where you show up to the park and, and you know you're not going to play because you just pitched the day before and, and still showing up to the park and giving energy and effort and pushing guys. And, you know, that way the, the people that are going to play that day, you know, perform to the best that they possibly can perform. So I think that was probably just the biggest challenge for me was just, you know, learning how to show up to the field every single day whenever you, you know, for your whole career you were used to showing up and playing in the game every day and, you know, it's, that's that's a transition that I've seen a lot of high school players go through that struggle with it, and I feel like I can relate to those guys a lot in those situations. Does that mean a little bit more pitchers BP for guys in that spot? <laughs> well, um, you know, we we try not to do a whole lot of pitchers BP just <laughs> from the standpoint of, you know, we don't want to try to get anybody hurt or anything sure. like that. But uh, it's just about, you know, keeping the practice for those guys um, engaged and where, you know, they feel like they're getting something out of their practice. I mean, we don't have our pitchers standing in the outfield and shag BP or anything like that because we don't want them to feel like they're out there um, just courting 
the position players while they practice, and uh, that's not the case at all. I mean, they show up and they flat out get after it, and you know they they sometimes are separated from the position players uh, just because of you know uh, the the limited amount of throwing and stuff that they can do. But you know, we we just want to make sure that every single time a pitcher or a position player steps foot on practice, that they feel like the entire time that they're there, that they're getting better and they're they're uh, they're working towards uh, you know maximizing their game. Mm-hmm. What's the toughest part of being a, a dad and a coach at the same time? Well, I mean, it, it, there's certain times of the year, especially when the heavy recruiting is going on. It's just as far as being away from the house. Uh, you know, uh, that's probably the toughest. Whenever you, you know you you tell them you walk out the door and you tell them you're leaving for you know a week or so to go recruiting, and then you come back for a couple of days and you tell them you're going you know recruiting again for another four or five days, and you know by the time you do that two or three weeks in a row, you know they're they're wondering you know why why can't you just stay home for this this weekend or this week and you know it, it kind of just crushes you a little bit when you have to walk out the door and get in the car and, and drive away and yeah uh, that's why you got to have you know got to have good support with you know for me I'm just lucky my wife does an amazing job with our family and she uh you know she's a stay-at-home mom but she works a heck of a lot harder than I do and you know this job it definitely wouldn't be you know, it definitely wouldn't be as fun, and and I wouldn't be able to do the job that I do without her support uh, on the home side of it. Were they sick of you yet with the quarantine? What was that again? <laughs> so, are they sick of you yet with the quarantine? They're probably not used to having <laughs> you around this much. Yeah, well, I think uh, my, that's what my wife says. Uh, I think two days into it, she's like, "Man, we gotta get you to the office. We gotta we gotta get you out of here for a little bit." And, <laughs> Um, but no, it's been good. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you try to find the positive and everything. And, you know, at this time of the year, normally, you know, I would be in the office a lot preparing scouting reports and, and what for every incoming opponent and, you know, just the games itself. And, you know, the time that you would spend with your family would just be, you know, minimal. And, um, you know, right now it's just, you know, uh, hopefully a couple you know a year or so a couple months from now we'll look back on this and appreciate you know the good that came out of it obviously there's a lot of bad going on right now but hopefully we'll be able to look back and and find the positives but the positives right now are obviously you know we're getting to spend you know unlimited amount of time with our family and our kids and uh you know uh, with all that being said I, I am excited and i miss our players a ton and I'm just ready to get back to just things being normal and back to a routine and back to the office and seeing the guys in the locker room and the lounge and all those things. But uh, hopefully that's you know sooner rather than later. Sure, sure. Uh, but before we let you go, let's talk about some of the the championship teams that that you've been a part of uh, as as a coach. You know, you, you won three in a row at, at CMO and the OVC in the regular season, and then in uh, 2016 you, you guys win the tournament, go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, what separated that Southeast Missouri State team that you had from from some of the other teams that you had? The the team that was finally able to break through and go to the tournament. Well, whenever we we finally broke through and got to the tournament, honestly, out of the all the three of the teams that that we won a championship, they were all very similar, and they were they were very old. Uh, a lot of them were juniors, seniors. It was a very junior college heavy. Uh, team over those three years 
And honestly, I think the reason why we won the third year and we didn't win the first two years is just because the first two years we had to put ourselves in positions to be where we'd never been before. The first year that we won the regular season tournament, we were super talented. Uh, we went into the tournament that year, and it's not that we we played bad. We, we actually went up against a really good Tennessee Tech team that year that ended up beating us. But um, you know, it was a it was a situation where we just never we'd never been in the tournament uh, with the expectations to win the tournament before, and we stumbled a little bit that first year. The second year, we ran into a really good Moorhead State team, and we were really talented as well. And it was just one of those things where we got into a tournament and we just didn't win the tournament. And, you know, and tournaments are hard to win. And that's why, you know, it's tough when you're in a one-bid league to where you have to put all your eggs in the basket there in the conference tournament. If you don't win it, you don't get into a postseason. And, you know, the third year we go into it and our guys, you can just feel there was a different feeling to it. We were really calm. Uh, we were we were really really deep that year offensively. I mean it was it was an absolute grind for a pitching staff to have to go through our offense from you know one through nine that year. And we the, probably the one difference was is we had a senior ace uh, Joey Lucchese who um, you know once once he got the ball and started the game you almost felt like it was over from the beginning. And there were a lot of teams that year that, you know, they would adjust their pitching staff when they played us uh, just because, you know, Joey was throwing on Friday nights and they didn't want to match their best pitcher up against Joey. And, you know, Joey absolutely dominated the first game in the tournament and pitched all nine innings uh, in, in the first round that year, which obviously gave us depth throughout the rest of the tournament. And Joey ended up coming back on championship Sunday and threw three more innings out of the bullpen. And, you know, Joey's probably one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher to ever come through that conference. And, you know, that always helps whenever you have a, a, a true ace. And But I, I would say the biggest the biggest thing was is, you know, we had just been there for two times with, with a very similar team, very mature, older team. And, and that's the one thing that excites me about, you know where we're headed as a as a baseball program here at SIU is that we're we're going to be very very similar with the structure and the build of those teams that we had at SEMO that won championships. As far as next year, when we step on the field next year, we we are going to be very old. We're going to be very mature. We're going to have you know a lot of seniors. We're going to have a lot of junior college players, and you know we're going to have a chance to have a lineup that's really deep. That's going to be really tough on an opposing pitching staff and we still have a couple recruiting needs on the pitching side of it and you know if we're able to get some of the guys that we're hopeful to get you know as far as you know setting up the structure of a staff I think we have a chance to be I think we have a chance to be pretty good next year and you know it's still a long ways away but I'm definitely super excited about you know the just the setup of the team because I, I think the teams that are the best teams at the mid-major level are, are the teams that are very old and mature, and that's kind of the way that I wanted to structure this team. So that's why we went we went so heavy on the junior college side of it this year with recruiting, and then whenever you got the bonus of throwing you know the seniors back in the mix, it was just like a cherry on top to where it's like man, 
this this could set up to be a really really good roster for next season. Sure, uh, I wanted to double back. You, you mentioned Joey Lucchese. Uh You know, it sure helped that you, you guys had a, a big leaguer on the front lines when you guys were winning championships back then. Uh, I know you're not here to take credit for somebody making it to the show, uh, but but what influence do you think that you had on Joey Lucchese's success? Well, you know, when we got Joey. Uh, after his sophomore year at a junior college out of California, he actually, you know, he got on campus. And the very first year Joey was there in the fall, he had a rough time. You know, Joey is a guy that he is very routine-based. Um, he's very methodical in his work. There's a lot of times where when the pitchers would be done with practice, Joey would be down in the bullpen by himself going through dry work and dry drills and at that time, you know, just like a lot of college kids, you know, a lot of college kids would kind of, you know, they, Joe, first of all, Joey was like the ultimate teammate. Like, he had great personality. Just, uh, you know, the kids, you would just draw to him. Uh, he was probably one of, if not the favorite guy on the team for people just to be around because his personality just was was funny and exuberant and people just drew to him. Um, but sometimes, you know, they would poke at him because he would put so much extra work in. And it's funny when you look back at it now and, and, you, and you see that he's in the big leagues and, you know, you, you wonder why, why did he make it over some other guys? And, it's, it, you know, it goes back to, you know, the guys that make it, they put work into it. And, you know, every single day he showed up the field, he just put work in and put more work in than anybody on our entire staff. Um, but, you know, when he, when he got to our campus, he was, he was out of his routine. You know, he was out of California for the first time in his life. And he really struggled that first fall. And actually, he wasn't even in our starting rotation to open up the year, uh, his junior year. And we got off to a little bit of a slow start that uh, his junior year. And we had a rain out. And we were playing. We actually moved our series. Uh, we were playing Eastern Kentucky University, and it got moved to Southern Illinois Edwardsville because they had turf. And the game got pushed back to a Saturday, Sunday, Monday series, and our rotation got all thrown off. So we were sitting there in the office on Sunday, and I said, "Man, I said I think we should just throw Joey out there." And uh, I, you know, he was struggling coming out of the bullpen. He'd never been a bullpen guy his entire career. I said, "Let's just get him a start." You know, it's, we don't have anybody else to go to. So we throw Joey out there on Monday, and he went out there and just absolutely mowed through their lineup for like seven innings. And uh, he started on Sunday for the next couple Sundays, and he went to Saturday. Then he Saturday he went to Friday, and he finished the year on like five Fridays and uh, one pitcher a year in the conference that year, and just had a really good year. And uh, still to this day, uh, I don't understand how we got him back. You know. There, there's no way he should not have been drafted after his junior year, and he came back. We were very fortunate, and you know everybody in our conference they were they were saying the same thing, like you know how what you guys do to get this kid back? No way he should be back, and um, you know we were just so fortunate because he came back in his senior year. You know we started on Friday night for 14 straight uh, 14 straight Fridays. Joey started on Friday night. He never missed a start, and he just got better and better every single start, and. You know, it, it was one of those things where, you know, when you have an ace like that, it just gives the entire team, the coaching staff, everybody, just so much confidence when you walk up to the field that day because you just truly feel like there's nobody going to beat us um, because of the guy that's on the mound. And, you know, he, he anchored our whole team. And, you know, 
uh, you know, I don't know how much uh, I did for his, his game because he was just he was really good. But I would think, you know, probably during that that time where he was struggling as far as just the transition, as far as just you know being a coach that he leaned on because I was with him all the time in the bullpen, out on the you know field playing catch, all those type of things. Um, you know, and I still talk to him a lot to this day. And you know, Joey's again, like I told you before, his, his personality. Uh, his presence on the field, like he, he just drew people to him and he's still that way. But uh, it was probably just a thing as far as just, you know, helping him get adjusted to, to being in a new part of the world and uh, more than it was just the actual pitching side of it because he was so gifted on that side of it that we just tried not to screw him up as a, as a player. Sure. So when you watch a Padres game now, is there a nuance or two that, that you watch Joey do in a big league game that kind of makes you smile and say – Hey, that was something that that we had talked about or we had refined when when we were working together. Well, the one thing that I, that I remember probably the most that was that was really funny. Joey, every single time uh, the first batter of a game that got on base, Joe with Joey, when he went out of the stretch, uh, it always looked like he was going to pick a guy off when when he was going home. So there were so many times that he would throw the first pitch to the plate out of the stretch and the guy at first base would dive back into the first thinking he was going to do a pickoff. And he was in double A and he was pitching for uh, the Padres in double A and he was at Springfield. So me and Steve, we drove from Columbia to Springfield and we were going to watch the start that night. And as we're walking up to the to the stadium, Steve looked at me and he said, do you think the first batter is going to dive into first base tonight when he gets on first? And I said, I said, I, I don't know, you know, I, I probably not, you know, that's probably, you know, they're probably not going to do that at the professional level. And, uh, you know, so the first guy reaches uh, first base and Joey, you know, he, he had a really odd kind of set and delivery and everything, but uh, he comes set, you know, he looks the guy at first base and he, he picks up and he fires the home. And sure enough, the bat or the runner at first base dives back into first base, and me and Steve just start dying laughing. And you know, it was just one of those things where you know we had seen that happen probably five or six times in college baseball, where the runner thought he was going to pick, and he was actually throwing a ball to the plate. And then we, you know, we see that happen at that night at the at the professional level. And um, you know, it was just a, a funny moment there with that. But you know, anytime you, we see him on TV. You know, he's got this weird over-the-head, like, deep breath delivery and everything's still the same. So it's just like, you know, you're watching him and you're like, man, it's just same old Joey uh, just doing his thing at the big league level. Well, if, uh, if, if guys are diving back on Brad Harrison next year, being a left-hander, we'll know where he got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for the time. Appreciate you sharing the stories and uh, hope you get to enjoy a little bit of time off here and uh, spend it with the kids and not go too stir crazy. Yeah, well, we're, you know, obviously we're we're thankful that, you know, everybody here and our household is, is healthy and um, everybody that we that we are associated with is healthy and everything as well within our team. So we're very thankful for that and we're just, you know, we're ready to get back to being normal. Uh, but obviously, there's a much bigger picture to it than, than SIU baseball or SIU athletics. So, you know, at the right time, we'll be back at it. But, you know, like I said before, we're hoping it's sooner rather than later because we're ready to get back going. Sure. I know it's a tough time, so hang in there. Appreciate the time, Coach. Yeah, thanks for having me.